That, that movie clip may be old, but it continues to crack me up every time I see it. How about you? Would you have done better in that situation if you were sitting around the table and someone said, hey, would you pray? What if I called you up right now and said, you know, offer us a prayer? Uh, Maybe you're somebody who says, I am terrible at prayer. Or maybe you're somebody who says, I happen to be very good at prayer. I'm praying that our study of prayer together will be tremendously beneficial for all of us because we all need it, all right? It was a couple years ago that I was at a back-to-school night with my kids' school. Uh, the, The principal had everybody in the gymnasium, parents and kids. It was packed, and uh, there was just a big... Uh, speech that the principal was giving about, you know, casting vision for the new school year. And I have to confess, I found the principal's speech to be very boring. And I was sleepy. My wife had fed me well, and so my stomach was full and a little hot in there. And I, I leaned back and I got real comfortable and I started to drift off, like many of you do in my sermons. <laughs> if you think I don't see you, I see you. Yeah. And I can remember, well, I was just real comfortable, and, uh, you know, the voice of the principal started to become garbled, and then my sleepy mind, and I I remember, I was like, and I heard Jeff Griffin, and I'm still sleeping, but I'm thinking, did I just hear my, my, my name in my dream? And right at that point, my wife elbows me really hard, startling me awake. And as I look up, every eye in the entire gymnasium is looking at me. Everyone. And the principal again says, Jeff Griffin? And I'm like, he did say my name. And my wife looks at me and she goes, go, go. So I stood up and I started walking to the front of the gymnasium. This is awkward because everybody knew why I was walking to the front of the gymnasium except for me. It would have been real nice to know what I had been asked to do. But being that I was asleep, I had no idea. So I walked up to the front, and the principal gestures towards a microphone. I said, good evening, everybody. And I looked at him, and he's like, and I finally had to walk over to him and whisper in his ear, could you remind me what you'd like me to do? And he looked at me, and he's like, would you offer a prayer for our teachers? Like, oh, okay, yes. I came back to the mic. I'd like to offer a prayer for our teachers, I said. <laughs> and I prayed. Oh, my. All of a sudden, things started to make sense to me at that moment. Earlier that week, at dinner, my wife had said to me, the principal called. And I, I missed the context of what she was saying because she said, the principal called and asked if you would pray for the teachers. And I said, you would. And I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. And right then, I had prayed for the teachers, you know. I <laughs> didn't understand that they had meant at this back-to-school night. Oh, so awkward. Well, let me tell you about that prayer. I was scrambling to recover any dignity at that awkward moment. And so I prayed with all of my heart. And you would have been impressed. It was, it was a... It was an impressive prayer. Everybody there, I think, probably said, wow, that guy can pray. The one who was not impressed was God. 
The truth was, in that moment, and I'm going to blame the circumstances of my embarrassment, I was so focused on impressing people that I was not actually talking to God at all. And I think too often this topic of prayer turns out to be just that, this spiritual ritual or this public uh, ritual that we do in order to feel good about ourselves or to impress others. And it fails to be what God intended prayer to be. And we need to learn. Again, this, this series called Apex is all about the exhilaration of knowing God. It's about friendship with God. And as we're going to see, prayer is an absolutely essential skill if we're going to develop a friendship with God. And Moses, as he was at the foot of Mount Sinai, he prayed. And we're going to see where and how he went about it. And this passage, just a few verses we're going to study, has been monumental in my life, changed my life, changed my prayer life. And I pray that it blesses you similarly. This series is in the first uh, or the, I'm sorry, the second part of the book of Exodus. And today we're specifically in chapter 33. So go ahead and grab your Bible across the uh, chair from you. Um, we're going to start in verse 7 and read 7 through 11 and study those verses together. Here's what it says. It was Moses' custom to set up the tent, known as the tent of meeting, far outside the camp. Everyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go there. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up. They'd stand at the entrances of their tents. And they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would actually come down and hover at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And then all of the people would stand and they'd bow low at their tent entrances. And inside the tent of meeting, check out this verse. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Isn't that powerful? So apparently Moses was dissatisfied with these occasional trips to the summit of Mount Sinai. He wanted more of God. You know, these trips to the top were not enough. And so he said, I got to figure out a way to implement prayer strategically, even while I'm at the base in camp. And so he came up with a tent. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pitch this tent and that will become for me my place of prayer. And how I want to I want to go now and look back at these verses that we just read, and I want to draw out for them a a holistic teaching on prayer. And to do so, I want to use kind of the basic outline of what, why, and how. What is prayer? Why should we prioritize prayer in our daily life? And how can we effectively go about it? And I see some principles out of this passage that help us in all of these questions. And the first one is what? What is prayer? And, I, and the verse that I want to look at again is verse 7, this, this simple statement as to what he named the tent. Ready? It was Moses' custom to set up the tent known as what? the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting. What went on there? Meeting with God. 
The, the Hebrew word, or words that uh, are translated tent of meeting are ohil moed. And ohil moed literally means an appointment. Isn't that interesting? You can say a meeting, but I like appointment even better because there is a sense in that Hebrew term of scheduling time or setting aside time to meet with somebody. And the tent of meeting was to meet with God. So what is prayer? Prayer is a meeting with God. Do you realize how different that is by, than somehow how we look at prayer? Some people would say, you know, children, did you say your prayers? And it's appropriate, I suppose, to phrase it that way. But that's not getting at the whole essence of it. Saying your prayers sounds to me like you're sending an email off to God somewhere, and hopefully he reads it, you know, and... Or, or sometimes in a more formal setting, you know, they'll, uh, would you please bless us with an invocation, they'll ask me. Bless us with an invocation. The terminology associated with prayer is so far away from this meeting with God. That's what it is. It's an encounter with the living God. If it were merely some ritual of saying some sing-songy, nice little prayer poem, that would bore me. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is face time with the King of Kings, creator of all, the most significant and majestic being in the universe. And you and I get to meet with him. The people understood how important a privilege that was. Look at verse 8. It says that whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up. And they'd stand at the entrance of their tents and they'd watch Moses until he disappeared inside. Imagine the dad saying, hey kids, he's, he's going to the tent of meeting again. Guys, you got to see this, you got to see this. And they'd all, the family, rush out and stand there at the entrance to their tent watching Moses. You know, kind of awkward for Moses. Yeah, I know, I'm going to pray again. And the people were just in awe of the privilege of what Moses was about to do. He was about to connect, to talk with Almighty God. Folks, prayer is one of the greatest privileges that we have. Through the shed blood of Christ, our sins are forgiven, and a path to the face of God has been made available to us, and we can meet with him. The highlight, undisputed highlight of our day should be prayer. Would you agree? And that's what it's supposed to be. And you say, well, that's, that's intriguing. That's a good help with the what. Now let's talk about the why. Why should I pray? Not only do we need to change and purify our understanding of what it is, we need to purify our motive most people, and maybe I'm cynical, but I think most people pray to get something. I think most people say, well, I should say prayers so that God answers my prayers and I get stuff. And that's not bad in and of itself. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread and to ask for God to meet our needs, and we should do that. But there is something that we get way more than the stuff God gives us. The greatest reason to pray is that we get God himself. We get friendship with God through prayer. Do you realize that? Uh, did Moses get friendship with God? Yeah, let's, not, let's go back to the last verse of uh, this little section. And that's verse 11. Look at the 
friendship with God that Moses enjoyed. It says that inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Isn't that cool? Face to face. Were they close? Yeah, they were like unbelievably close. The term face to face doesn't mean that Moses saw God's face. That's an expression that conveys the level of intimacy that their conversation uh, involved. You know, we would say, how was your talk with Bob? And you say, oh, Bob and I had a heart to heart. And that's what face-to-face means. It means that they bonded. You know, Moses would pour and gush his deepest fears and dreams and hopes, and and God would respond, and their conversation was heartfelt. It was face-to-face. And and it's it's like a man speaks with a friend. Have you ever eavesdropped and just watched two friends sitting around a table talking to each other, laughing together, bonding and enjoying one another profoundly. That's what it would have been like to eavesdrop on the tent of meeting. Moses just loved being with God. God was his best friend, and Moses was God's best friend. And together the two of them would laugh and enjoy each other's company telling stories and basking in that companionship. (laughs) Why do we pray? Because we want that. You ask, how did Moses get that? What, What gave him such a rich friendship with God? The reason he got that is because it was his custom to go out to the tent of meeting and pray all the time. You don't get that close to God without prayer. Do you realize that? Communication is the building block of intimacy. My wife reminds me of this in our marriage all the time. There was a day when I neglected date nights and couch time, sitting there and talking, and she taught me. Women know more about relationships than men, usually. And she would say, Jeff, there's no way we can build a tight marriage unless we talk. If we don't talk, we're not just suddenly tight. That's not going to happen. It's through communication that... Relational intimacy is, is built. And the same is true with God. We all long to be close to God. I'm sure if, if the opportunity for you to say, hey, we want to be best friends with God, yeah. Well, the investment of prayer is the only way to get there. Prayer is essential. So why do we pray? Do we want answers to prayer? Sure. But the greatest reason we pray is we want God. Lord, I want to know you. I don't want you to be a stranger to me. I want you to be the one I know best of all of earth. I want you to be my best friend. And so what is prayer? It's a meeting with God. Why do we do it? So we can have a friendship with God. And then the how. Here we go. Ready? Um, I'm going to warn those of you who are taking notes. I actually have five points under how. I I saw a bunch of helpful, practical guidance here. And so let's let's go through it. The first how... is focus. Focus. Again, let's look at verse 7. It was Moses' custom to set up the tents, known as the tent of meeting, far outside the camp. I want to talk about the tent, and I want to talk about where it was located, far outside the tent uh, camp. Because I think those decisions helped Moses to focus on God in prayer. What does a tent do, practically? Well, it it made him comfortable. It shielded him from the sun, and it was an arid desert climate there. 
but it also shielded from him from visual distractions. You know, focusing in on an invisible God in the midst of a visible world is really hard. Can we just say it? We, are, uh, we all have a little ADHD, and we are so easily distracted. And so to, to get your mind turned to God is really, really tough. And I think that the tent helped Moses to just say, I, need to, I don't want to see anything that could distract me. And then secondly, outside of camp kind of took away the, the, the sound distractions. A tent doesn't do much for sound. But moving it outside of camp would get him away from the hustle and bustle of, of everyday life. What is Moses doing? He is strategically creating an optimal environment for prayer so that he can focus on the Lord. And folks, I'll tell you, this focus is so unbelievably important. If you have an hour of prayer, but your mind is just distracted by everything else and it wasn't quality prayer, it doesn't matter how long it was, it probably wasn't that good. Where it is better to have five minutes of prayer where you are for five minutes zeroed in on God and you are focused entirely. I have found that when it comes to impacting prayer, it is not the quantity, but the quality that really makes a difference. Uh, Now, am I encouraging short prayer times? No. Uh, If 10 minutes is all you've got, 10 minutes of focused prayer can be revolutionizing in your life. But I would, you know, if you got half an hour, that's far better. But 10 minutes of focused prayer can really make a difference. So focus. And, and you've got to think like Moses did strategically. How do you focus? Uh, what is the optimal environment for you? Where should you have a prayer tent? You know, some of you know the ideal spot. You've got your spot already. Others of you need to think about where the best spot would be, what the best time of the day would be before the kids wake up or after the kids go to bed. Searching for that little window of time can be challenging. But the fruit of that is huge. We need to find the best way to focus. I'll share a little focusing tool that I have, and that is my prayer journal. I write down my prayers. And some of you men are like, oh, I never, I never have a diary. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go there. This is not a diary. I don't have a diary either. This is a prayer journal. It's tough. The black, you know. <laughs> no flowers. Uh, I have found that putting pen to paper helps me stay focused. My mind drifts so easily. And, and that little tool has really been useful for me as far as getting better at this. So that's the first one, focus. The second one is to recognize the presence of God. Formally say, wow, God is here. I'm not sending an email off to God far away. Prayer is a, a, a meeting with God. He's here. And that's evidenced by verse 9. Remember this? As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. The pillar of cloud was this gracious manifestation that God provided the Israelites in their desert wandering. God said, these people are going to be so discouraged, and these days are so important that they connect with me, that God said, I'm going to put a cloud in the sky, an unusual cloud. Most clouds are horizontal. This one was vertical. And God says, this cloud is going to be there all the time as a statement, a reminder to them that I am 
with them. And God said, when Moses goes into that prayer tent, I got an idea. God says, I'm going to bring that cloud right over, and it's going to hover right at the prayer tent, which was a visible reminder to Moses and everybody else that God's in the tent with us. And folks, I actually need to pause at the beginning of my prayer time and remind myself that I'm in the presence of God. I would love a cloud to hover right there. Uh, The Lord has not blessed me with that manifestation, but I have kind of created my own little visible reminder. Uh, Here's a picture of a bookshelf in my office, and I found this little miniature of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, I'm a little weird. I collect things like this, and I was excited when I saw that. I bought that, and in the Old Testament days, the Ark of the Covenant was a visible reminder of the presence of God. It was called the throne of God. God would manifest himself in fire right above the Ark, and that sits right in front of my desk, right there on that shelf, and it's a just, I, before I pray, I glance at that, and I pause, and I just say, God, I know you're here. I cannot see you, but that does not mean you're not here. You're in the room. I know that. Your scriptures tell me that. You are attentive. You're very interested in what I'm about to say. And that little pause to recognize the presence of God is huge for me to get me off in the right direction, and that is to really engage in conversation with God. Recognize the presence of the Lord. Let's go to the next point. Listen. Uh, Not only do we need to focus on uh, eliminate distractions there, not only to pause to recognize the presence of God, we need to listen for God to speak to us. So often, prayer is viewed as a monologue. We talk, you know, Lord, you listen. But if you'll notice, in this passage, the Lord spoke with Moses. The Lord would speak to Moses twice. It refers to God being the one who talks as well. And so listening to the Lord makes prayer a conversation, a dialogue as opposed to a monologue. And that is so much better. No offense, your monologues are boring. Conversation with God. Now that's where it's at. And you say, how do we hear God? Well, I want to acknowledge that one of the ways is God's Holy Spirit can speak to us. A thought can be placed in our mind, and you just have a sense that it didn't arrive by accident. That thought, that idea, that truth was placed there. It's a it's a word from the Holy by the Holy Spirit of God in you. But there's another way, and this is the primary way God speaks to me, and that is through my personal Bible study, and. And uh, you say, wait a minute, Jeff, we're not talking about Bible study, we're talking about prayer. And I will confess that I fuse the two together for me. My Bible study and my prayer go hand in hand. In fact, Bible study leads into prayer in my little time with the Lord. And in Bible study, God speaks to me. And as I open my prayer journal, I respond. In fact, I will take on my prayer journal, I'll write the date and then the reference to the passage that I just studied, and then I'll kind of summarize what I believe God is saying to me through that passage of Scripture. I'll use yesterday's quiet time as an example for you. I'm going through just starting the book of Jeremiah. And uh, yesterday in my quiet time, I, I came upon Jeremiah 3, verse 20, where the Lord says, like 
a woman who is unfaithful to her husband, so you, Israel, have been unfaithful to me. And the Lord begins to lament this spiritual drift of the people of Israel. And God compares it to the brokenheartedness that a husband would feel if his wife is unfaithful. And as I read that, I realized, oh my, not only is God talking to me, God is whispering to me something that's very vulnerable about himself. In that moment, as I read that, and I opened my prayer journal and started to write that, God, you're, you're telling me that you are emotionally sensitive, an emotionally sensitive God, and that when your people ignore you, abandon you, rebel against you, it breaks your heart. And the room felt, you know, when someone tells you something real vulnerable and there's kind of this hush in the room, as I prayed, I felt that, like, thank you, God, for telling me that. And I responded, I said, Lord, I I love that you're that way. I'm glad you're not a cold, indifferent God, but that you're a God who feels, who grieves a loss of love and who celebrates true love. Well, I I, I praised him and I celebrated that I loved this about him. And then his spirit kind of pointed out some ways in my life that I continued to grieve his heart. The Lord reminded me of some ways that I'm not prioritizing him and some sin that continues to pop up in my life. And I saw this sin in a new light and I just repented. I said, God, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to make you sad. I want to bring joy to your heart. And I'm writing this down, confessing my sin with a new zeal, recognizing the emotion of God that's involved with my own rebellion. Oh, see, that's a prayer time. When the Lord speaks through his word and when we respond and this beautiful conversation ensues, and that's what Moses enjoyed. Let's go to, to verse, or part, point four. And this is what I call balance. And by balance, I mean be balanced in what you talk about. Balance how much you talk about yourself and how much you talk about God. You you ever been in a conversation with a very self-centered person who just talks about themselves the whole time? Uh, Occasionally, I've I've gone out with folks that had coffee or lunch, and and at the end, I reminisce, and I'm like, wow. We talked about them the entirety of our conversation. You know, never once did they say, well, let's talk about you. And that's not a healthy conversational pattern. It's not a healthy prayer when we just talk about ourselves all the time. Again, it's appropriate to talk about ourselves. Uh, If you look at this verse, verse 7, everyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go there. The newer uh, NLT says, everyone who had a request of the Lord. Consult means, I got a problem and I need your help. And it's okay to talk about you and your problems. It really is. But if that's all we talk about, it's imbalanced. Do you see that? Balanced prayer says, I'm going to talk about me. I'm going to talk about my problems. I'm going to bring them to you. I'm going to talk about my sin. And I'm going to repent to you. But at some point, I want to talk about you, God. I want to talk about what I love about you. When I wrote that praise, God, I love that you're an emotional God. I love that you're brokenhearted by our rebel. Not that we, I don't love that we rebel, but I love that you're so sensitive. 
that was me talking about him and praising him for who he is. In fact, when, when you talk about God, there's two things you can talk about. One is who he is, and the other is what he's done. Lord, I want to celebrate who you are, and I want to thank you for what you've done. And so, balanced prayer, and I'm going to add a third. Balanced prayer is talk about you, talk about God, and talk about others. Talk about you, talk about God, and talk about others. Others is when you pray for family members, and kids, and friends, and co-workers, and Christians in the Middle East, brothers and sisters who are suffering horrible persecution under ISS these days. Cry out for others in your prayer as well. Pray about yourself. Pray about God. Pray about others. That's balanced prayer. Okay, number five. Repeat. (laughs) Do steps four and then repeat them again and again. Tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. I remember what it said here. It was Moses' custom. This was habitual. This is the way he lived. He did this all the time, daily probably. And, And that's the thing that's so important here with prayer is that we're trying to form a habit. We want to set up that ideal prayer tent, tent of meeting. And that ideal time. And maybe it's 10 minutes of Bible study flowing into 10 minutes of prayer. Uh, again, I'd love it to be longer than that, but start small in a, in, a, in a workable commitment level. But do it every day. Make it your custom, as it was for Moses. Make it your routine. So much of a habit that if you don't do it, you feel like something's wrong. This is not a good day because I didn't have my time in the tent of meeting. Do you see that? And some of you may say, I used to have that custom, but I've fallen away from it. There was a season of my life when, man, I was praying all the time. The good news is you can restart today. Uh, The Lord is so gracious and forgiving. When he sees that we have gone far away from the, the faithfulness of prayer that we once enjoyed, He doesn't beat us up over that. He just says, let's put the past behind. Let's start anew. And so can I just make the challenge very straightforward and clear? Folks, have a prayer time daily. In fact, don't leave today without deciding. Maybe you're under conviction right now by God that this needs to happen in your life. Make a decision today, right now, that tomorrow morning. If it's morning or evening, if it's evening, if it's evening, you can do it still today. But make the decision that you're starting again. We at the Compass Church need to be a people of prayer. This can't be a concept that we talk about. Increasingly, it needs to be a habit and a characteristic of our lives. Remember our motto? To love him more, so more love him. We will not grow more in love with him without becoming people of prayer. So when's it going to be? Are you thinking? How are you going to make that commitment? Where are you going to buy your diary? (laughs) Get those details in place and start tomorrow becoming a man or woman like Moses, a person of prayer. I wanted to share with you an important point in my life as I started to grow in prayer. It was back in seminary, seminary's graduate school that prepares guys like myself, to be a pastor. And I had a professor by the name of Robert Coleman. 
Uh, Robert Coleman, this is a picture of him today. He's 87 years old, still teaching, still active teaching. Unbelievable guy. The, the man's written 28 books, and one of his books, The Master Plan of Evangelism, some of you may have heard of it, has sold more than 3 million copies. It's been translated into over 100 different languages all over the world. The guy is profound. But I loved his classes not because he was so smart or so articulate. I loved his classes because it was evident he was in love with God. There was a joy that radiated from him and an excitement about life with God. As he would teach and talk about the Lord, it was evident to me that this man and God are best friends. Like Moses, this man is a friend of God. And, and I remember just thinking, how does he get that way? Well, I found out. One day, Robert Coleman came up to me and he said, Jeff, I've got a little Thursday morning Bible study and prayer meeting with five students in my office every Thursday morning. He goes, you want to join? And I was like, yeah. He said, well, I should tell you, it's 6 a.m., no, no, I don't want to. Just, I said, yeah, I'm in. And those memories, uh, at Trinity, there's a lot of woods, and his office was tucked into the woods in this little building. And I remember some dark, cold winter mornings walking that little path to his office with my heart racing in anticipation and excitement. Not for the Bible study, though that was great, but mostly for the prayer. At the end of some Bible study, he'd say to us, all right, guys, let's pray. And we knew what that meant. He had instructed us to get on our hands and knees, which was really weird. You know, the office was so small, so, so for five guys to try to get down on the floor, there wasn't enough floor for that, but we would do it anyways. And I remember getting down there, I had one guy's rear end in my head, you know, and I got Robert Coleman's scrawny, hairy ankle, you know, right here. And I'm like, it was weird, you know. But I got past the weirdness of it when he started praying. And Coleman, with great anticipation, would say, Good morning, God. There is no one we would rather spend the first moments of our day with than you. Welcome to this place. Thank you for meeting with us. To be in your presence is an honor. And that little office for me became a a conduit by which I stepped into the Holy of Holies and entered into the glorious presence of God. Prayer was not a ritual. It was a means by which we saw God. And I, in that year, learned so much about prayer. And I realized that the reason Robert Coleman beams with the love and the joy of the Lord. The reason he knows him so well is that he has the custom, as did Moses, of meeting in the tent of meeting, or the office of meeting in his case. Folks, do you want to know and love God? Become people of prayer. Let's pray right now. Lord, we bow right now before you. We recognize that you're in this room right now, that, that your presence, though invisible, is real. Welcome to the Compass Church. 
We want to be a people who know you. Would you grow our inner faith, our capacity to recognize your presence, to hear your voice? Our faith is weak from lack of use. Increase our capacity to press into your presence, to focus our minds on you. Become visible to the eyes of our soul. Become audible to the ears of our soul. Teach us to laugh and to talk and to share and to enjoy your company. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.